Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, this is Dave Harlow, the Chief Pharmacy Officer from Martin Health System here in Stewart, Florida, and you are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey there, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is your host, Todd Urey with the Pharmacy Podcast, Pharmacy Podcast Network. Excited about returning to the roots of the show. The whole reason that the show even came to be was the technology side of what is pharmacy and how to leverage technology and how uh, the technology in pharmacy is super duper changing very quickly. We had an episode that we covered with a sponsor who really understands the evolution of technology in the health system pharmacy space, OmniCell. We were so excited that they gave us some of the content that was from the ASHP meeting, and it was delivered by Dr. Harlow, who is just a dynamic visionary of what is leveraging pharmacy technology within a health system pharmacy. He is with Martin Health System, and he's on the show today, and welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast, David. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me again. You're very welcome. I really liked the paper that you wrote, which was called Impact of the ACA on Medication Adherence, Elevating the Role of the Pharmacist. And we were able to, on episode 340 on the Pharmacy Podcast, really listen to you kind of deliver um, a, a wide spectrum of what this meant. And what a what a great time to have you back on the show with the coming changes to the Affordable Care Act and what that might mean as it trickles down through our healthcare system and what that's going to mean for health system pharmacists. But what doesn't change in all of this, regardless of what happens to the ACA's details, you and I both know technology is going to be just as important, if not more important than ever before. So before I get into some of my questions as someone who leads an entire health systems pharmacy department and understanding technology, Give our listeners just background of yourself. How'd you get into pharmacy? How'd you become the chief pharmacy officer for Martin Health System? And then, like I said, I have a myriad of questions for you. Right. Um, so I, I was an old school pharmacist, um, a BS pharmacist. Uh, I graduated in uh, the early 90s from Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, and, uh, you know, I knew back then that pharmacy had a big role to play in healthcare, and really I had no idea how big it would be or how big that potential would be until we all started talking about healthcare reform in general. And healthcare reform conversations, if you remember, really predate the whole conversation around the Affordable Care Act. Those things, uh, a lot of people talk about them as mutually exclusive, and really they're not. Um, the that conversation has been going on long before that. Um, the ACA just raised it to everybody's awareness. As far as how I got here to Florida, um, I was the regional uh, director of pharmacy for uh, Carilion Clinic up in Virginia, which was my first experience of being part of an, uh, an accountable care organization. Um, and I was, it was fortunate for me that they were really on the forefront, uh, sort of the bleeding edge 
with the Brookings Dartmouth Institute and uh, you know crafting you know really what it meant to be an a an ACO and during that time is when uh, I really had the opportunity to bring some of my history in everything from retail pharmacy to home care to acute clinical um, to bear on the logistics of what it meant to be an accountable care organization. Um, not the least of which is how or those organizations and how we all do population management um, and my vision of how pharmacy uh, can impact that. So that being said, uh, a recruiter called me one day and um, I had the opportunity to meet the CEO and the senior administration here at Martin and their ideas for the future dovetailed with uh, very much with what I wanted to do and continue in my own pharmacy career. And the rest, as they say, is history. And so here we are. That's right. You know, the automated systems, I entered the pharmacy space specifically in pharmacy management systems for long-term care institutional pharmacies in 2004. And the big buzzword then was open uh, database and playing off of uh, what we know today as like a SQL server or something that you could tap into and get more data out of versus the systems like uh, the closed off systems that really the only thing you could do was do your work within the system. And then, of course, it was closed off to the rest of the world. That's just not the case today. But when I think of the global automated dispensing systems market, and it's really been segmented based on product type, user interface, um, the type of pharmacy um, setting that you're working in, specialty pharmacy, compounding I'm thinking of it's actually going in the opposite direction. It's, it's really expanding, but you have to have the centralization uh, in a health system to really be able to leverage automated dispensing, robotics, um, build the efficiencies as someone at a director level and understand what that means for cost, what that means for staff, what that means for efficiency. What I'd like to ask you, Dave, and this is a, a question really that I'm not expecting any specific answer because it's 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 changing. It's always in pace with what's happening today. Is as a director, as somebody really has their 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 finger on the pulse of all of this, what do you see happening in the next say year to three years with the importance of big data and what that means in interpreting to a health system what the best course of action is in investing in the next leg of technology, the next um, uh, mobile technology, something that is hot right now that you foresee kind of transforming health system pharmacy and really uh, coming back to that bedside and being able to couple what a pharmacist knows in medication reviews uh, and being able to communicate better through the electronic health record. But just give us your overall passion per se, uh, your vision of health systems and pharmacy technology. Right. Well, there's so much integrating of thought, uh, which I guess is the first place that I would start with that, because uh, you heard me say a little bit about population management. It used to be that only those ACOs and, and you know, truly integrated networks and things were really involved in that. I know of no even individual hospitals that aren't networking with other entities of some kind and you say, well, how does that interface with the question you just asked me? And really, the paradigms that we have historically held on to, like, let's just say for the sake of argument, um, the historic uh, move to formulary systems inside acute hospitals. 
that really has to be looked at really carefully now because now that these health systems are integrated from, you know, basically the cradle to the grave, how we dispense and what we dispense and the, uh, the metrics around evaluating what you're moving in inventory and, you know, do you keep this thing on inventory? Is it in a patient-specific bin that patients bring in with them? The other, the other, the huge move to observation status patients, which are not really an acute entity, um, but they're really not an outpatient entity, except for if you're talking to the folks at CMS. You know, how do we do that inventory control? How do we separate them out? And how do we determine how to right size the kind of um, inventory mechanisms from the beginning to the end? And then, furthermore, with all the transitions of care issues that we see. Um, moving those products into the patient's hands, which we know is so significant in readmission rates and having them understand and being able to get those things. So many organizations are working on their own bedside delivery programs. Huge organizations like Walgreens have, uh, you know, worked with many, many large organizations and trying to to manage that for them. But at the end of the day, the organizations themselves have got to find some kind of strategy. That director of pharmacy is right, is in, is in a pivotal position, provided that they understand all those different dynamics, because you, those directors are no longer just looking at acute metrics. Really, you part of your acute metric would be those observation patients, how many get real meds, i.e. the things that come from your inventory, they're on your formulary. How do the things that they bring in affect, or their non-formular items affect your spend, your purchases? What kind of um, you know processes do you have around that? And then, are you going to be in the business in your organization of being on the retail side of this to make sure that those patients don't spend back into your organization by making sure that you've got a retail process or bedside delivery process, if you will, that makes sure that those patients get the products they need, irrespective of cost and insurance plan which throws your um, sort of formulary strategy on its ear because if it's not on the formulary of their insurance company, if you don't have a process to, to, to work with that at the tail end, then they're coming back into your hospital. So that kind of flies in the face of things that we have historic, historically seen as tried and proven um, processes. So I think there's a lot to be said for um, understanding all that dynamics, and this is just simply not going to change, irrespective of what happens to, uh, you know, the ACA, as, at least as we know it. You know, when I think of something, if I were to ask myself the question that I ask you, what's on the horizon, um, and how this trickles, what is, you know, the the business of health system pharmacy, and then of course the exterior surrounding of the community and providing services that follow up uh, for the patient's uh, needs. I'm thinking of uh, medication uh, synchronization and medication adherence programs that follow the patient outside of the care that they're receiving within the health system so that we prevent those um, patients from falling back and falling off of their therapies that were set in place, and the next thing you know, they return to the hospital. When I think of trend setting and when I think of um, not fads but things that really make good uh, health care sense and I look at the money being saved the millions of dollars being saved in those health systems who have invested in 
increasing patient adherence through medication synchronization programs. I have to applaud OmniCell because they look to the future and they look to what was important. They look to star rating. They look to different facets of what is being a good steward of health system technology, healthcare systems technology, and they invested in a company called ATEV, which is exactly what they do. They they concentrate on pharmacy-based patient care solutions and medication synchronization. So talk a little bit about med- medication synchronization programs and possibly what you've experienced, especially in the yesteryears where these things didn't exist. And sure enough, we'd see patients coming back with reoccurring problems that should have never, you know, they shouldn't have fallen off. But sure enough, the handoff, the baton handoff from health system, you know, stabilizing the patient to community pharmacy, uh, we we know that that's always been a challenge. Right, and I would agree with you on um, uh, one of the reasons why that we have OmniCell in our system um, has to do everything with really their push toward patient specificity in their dispensing uh, mechanisms. Um, one of the very few organizations that I'm aware of that actually has that capacity. And, um, you know, those are things that are going to continue to evolve. And one of the reasons why they're going to continue to evolve again is this idea of non-formulary management, which is everybody, every director of pharmacies, you know, headache, nightmare with respect to not only logistics, but to uh, um, inventory dollar management. Now, as far as, you know, you know, it used to be that, you know, basically, well, actually, let me, let me go way back. So back in the eighties, right. Before DRG payments and things, you know, your pharmacy it, on the acute care side was a, uh, revenue generator. And then of course, along came the DRG system, which predates everything that we're talking about, right. in healthcare reform, um, Way, all the way back. And then all of a sudden, pharmacy um, drug product costs got rolled up under a DRG, and we, we were, at that point, a cost center. That, those kinds of trends are going to continue to happen. So revenue generation, at least on the acute care side, is not something uh, – basically, you're looking at blanket payments um, no matter who the payer is anymore. And if, it, if it's not, then the level of reimbursement on your cost is, is minimal at best. And so – those things in terms of compliance packaging, you have to think about those things. We think about those things on the acute care side all the time. The question is really, how does this evolve in a transition of care situation? Uh, and particularly for that 5% of the population that spends 50% of our healthcare dollars, those being chronic, multi-comorbid, um, uh, chronic disease patients. And in my mind, and you heard me talk about this, I guess, in our last, uh, in that last episode that I was in, you know, that's the holy grail, really, for pharmacy. And for organizations like uh, OmniCell and others that really want to help, um, you know, move that ball forward, it really is about how we manage the, certainly the product portfolio. How do we make compliance packaging, which is another uh, line of business that, of course, that uh, they're in. And how do we make certain that that patient is adherent to what they're getting and then dovetail that with clinical processes like our uh, CHAMPS program, which is uh, an acronym that we use for um, uh, our uh, disease management program that, uh, that we have here at Martin for patients that are multi-comorbid, very highly likely to be readmitted. 
And so if you dovetail those two kinds of initiatives, then you, you really have a very robust platform to be able to address those issues. And keep in mind now, um, now with the initiative of bundled payments, for instance, bundled payments have a 90-day all-cause readmission penalty to them, whereas historically we've all start, sort of thought about everything up to 30 days, and after 30 days it didn't matter. The trend is for cardiology patients, oncology patients, obviously we know hips and knees, all those things. This is a wave that is, that's moving forward at a pace um, that it really, I think, is just going to speed up because of the success that at least the payers see in these kind of value-based strategies. And so the value that pharmacy and these pharmacy processes bring is to be able to help manage the medication portfolio and the chronic disease in tandem with that. Uh, those things, at least in my mind, that's where I see um, all of this sort of moving for the future for my part. And our ability to do those things is going to be directly related to how successful we are as a profession moving forward, at least in my mind. I couldn't agree more. The number of Americans that are affected by at least one chronic condition, which is going to require a true, uh, consistent medication therapy management um, program, per se, I mean, that's expected to increase to 157 million by 2020. And right. I think of, you know, you said population, you know, management and what that means to each of these communities, uh, Atlanta, Orlando, uh, Pittsburgh, Philly, Los Angeles, uh, Austin. These are these are exploding uh, populations that this is this is just going to continue to increase. And I think by combining certain technologies already out there uh, in the case of OmniCell, really absorbing what is you know, ABTEB's um, example of expertise in medication synchronization, along with an adherence packaging program, that partnership is so necessary. Matter of fact, I mean, it, it, it's like I look at all these health systems out there and I say, you know, you, you can't be thinking about this. This already has to be implemented and you have to be ready to go by the time that um, payment uh, qualifiers start changing and what that means for private insurance, what that means for Medicare Part D. So I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also nervous because there's some health systems that seem to get it. And that's based on the visionary that, that ha happens to be you, uh, David, in this, in this case. And then there's other organizations, other health systems that are trying to play catch up and, and they're drowning basically in the status quo of what pharmacy was, as you said. 5, 10, 20 years ago, and they haven't changed. And I'm just like, guys, right. you know, you, you can't play that game anymore. You, you have to move forward. Yeah. And, and it's, it, and a lot of this, you know, I, I, I mentor people uh, quite a bit in, in our profession. And one of the things I, I, I try to teach people is, you know, you can lead from below. You don't have to wait until you're the assistant vice president or VP of something to really influence an organization, but you've got to be transparent with the knowledge that you have and be very confident in what you know and what you don't know. Be that technology, be it clinical uh, work, be it, um, you know, whatever your, happen, whatever your passion happens to be. And so many of these organizations have no, uh, pharmacy has been abysmal at um, educating other health professionals 
on what we can bring to the table. And it is just really recently that CMS has decided, you know what, these, these men and women have a lot to say in how successful we are as an entity, that being CMS uh, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, really. And uh, to put a fine point on that, actually on January the 17th, the uh, CMS actually came out and encouraged state Medicaid plans to consider expanding the availability of pharmacists to do everything from prescribe, modify, monitor drug therapy to pr promote access because there aren't enough physicians, there aren't enough PAs, there aren't enough FMPs. And so in, in, the, in the vacuum of what it really means to be a provider, and I won't even get into provider status because I'll get up on a soapbox about that, but you know, when you start looking at what the opportunities are, and kind of going back to automation and, and kind of what we're, we're looking at, metrics are everything. Organizations no longer will just take conjecture about what – if you have a plan, great. What, give me objective metrics around which we can judge success or failure on. And in pharmacy, you would actually think that based upon the scientific nature of the pharmacy endeavor that we would have a lot of that. Unfortunately, that's not really true, to kind of to your point. Um, now, I think that when you start dovetailing the, like, again, po the population management, you know, that is such an enormous initiative. And let me just say this. If we cannot tackle meaningful population management, healthcare reform as we know it, regardless of your political stripe, is doomed to fail. Because if we cannot figure out how to uh, deal with, the uh, again, five people out of 100 spend 50% of the $2.8 trillion that this country spends every year. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, the Affordable Care Act might go away and healthcare is really, um, you know, kind of doomed as we know it. But if you look at what at least the new administration says, it remains to be seen what they do, it, they are business people. Nobody on either side of the street can allow $2.8 trillion in medical expenses every year for this country because it puts us at a competitive disadvantage against the rest of the uh, industrialized world. So you know, let, me, let me just focus on that for a second from the metrics standpoint and the automation standpoint. You have got to have automation and analysis of what your throughput is from both the clinical side and from the dispensing side, all the way out the door and ideally out into the community, especially for organizations. And many of your listeners will have organizations and they may not know that their healthcare organization is actually in the insurance business, in a Medicare Advantage plan or those sorts of things. What, get dis what gets dispensed and what gets used in the public directly affects them, whether they know that or not. And so the idea behind at least, you know, my vision of what we could do in terms of population management is, you know, a lot of pharmacy services will say, I can't tackle the masses. You know, I can't be everywhere all the time. I simply don't have that much bandwidth in terms of, um, you know, bodies in the pharmacy and or the mechanisms that I have. But I do believe that we can offset some of our resources to tackle those five people out of 100. So if you're in an average community hospital of 250 beds, you're looking at, you know, less than 15 uh, patients, right? And so I think that we can focus on them and their medication management needs. And I'm not talking about MTM in the historical CMS sense, because 
that's another travesty as far as I'm concerned because it doesn't really address the clinical aspects. Really what it does is see if you can decrease the overall spend. And for those of us that are savvy about adherence, if patients are adherent to what they should take, then it's actually fairly likely that their, their medical, uh, at least their medication spend may actually go up, but their overall outcomes may go down, which is where we actually have a voice in helping PBMs and um, the, the traditional insurances kind of get together on this because they've got to speak with one voice, particularly with the advent of things, uh, products like the Harvonis of the world and the biotechnology drugs, which are very, very expensive but have fantastic outcomes. Yes. So if you've got the automation that can track all of this, then at the end of the day, uh, let's say you start one year with, you know, how did you do with that five patients and how did you do with your inventory? Then you can create a dashboard that uh, in, in a fashion – that really you can set goals for the CFO, for the COO, and for your organization that are meaningful. And without that, you're really just shooting in the dark. I could just listen to you uh, all day long because of how much it really makes sense. And like I said, I feel like now we've returned to the heart of of some of what our listeners have really been uh, wanting to hear and how it makes sense. You know, talking normal language and not above the heads of these directors to let them know it's math, it's insurance, it's things that you know. You just have to get organized and you have to know uh, when to leverage uh, the talent on your team as well as the budget that you've been given. Uh, David, I'm wondering, is there um, a way that our listeners could possibly send you an email or ask some questions just as a pharmacy director from one director to the next? And uh, can we put that down in the show notes? Absolutely. Um, my email address is Dave, D-A-V-E dot Harlow, H-A-R-L-O-W, at Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, health dot org. And I would be happy to um, field any questions that folks have. I may not have the holy grail answer, <laughs> but I certainly will help them uh, uh, get in the right direction at least. Just some direction is, is worth uh, is worth a uh, place setting and, and knowing in what direction to go. But, uh, David, thank you so much for being back on the pharmacy podcast and you are welcome back absolutely anytime thank you so much i'll look forward to it you were listening to the pharmacy podcast with special guest dr david harlow he's with martin health system and we thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed another episode of the pharmacy podcast show be sure to subscribe to the show and send us a voice message with your ideas and comments from our contact section on the website. Did you know we develop digital health content to assist with business development and marketing efforts? Learn how we can help you drive more patients, physicians, and targeted leads to your website. Contact us today at pharmacypodcast.com.